cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one car It is Tuesday, the 1st of September September! One day in September We are one day into September In the middle of the fucking season This is Two Guys, One Cup An <laughs> AFL adjacent podcast My name is Will Anderson And my name is Charlie Clawson And a pinch and a punch, Will, for you a uh, pinch, which will get you one week, and a punch, <laughs> which might, might get you a week, depending if I fall down and don't get up very quickly. Yeah, it's a which high would impact. Be the case. <laughs> if you pinch me or punch me, I would be writhing on the ground right now, and you would be suspended for two weeks with one week up your fucking sleeve from podcasting. <laughs> That's- You'd be out for two weeks. I'd have to bring in a podcaster from the reserves to sit in your place for a couple of weeks. I would know. I would bring to the tribunal, I'd bring in like a biomechanics oh, yeah. expert to say, look, the level of the pinch and the punch to an ordinary person would have gone unnoticed. But it's not my fault if the guy I pinched and punched was a bit fragile. You br- uh, Go a step further. Forget your biomechanics expert. Bring in Ben Cunnington and literally pinch him and punch him. <laughs> no way. No fucking way. <laughs> At the same level you pinched and punched. He's out for the season. He wants to play a role in the AFL. He still wants to contribute. So you recruit him to the podcasting tribunal. <laughs> Who's sitting on the podcasting tribunal? Because like in the AFL, they get ex-players to sit yeah. on the tribunal. Who's sitting... <laughs> Who is that? Siri, Siri started playing a podcast <laughs> because you said because I said podcast tribunal. So I assume that that was some sort of uh, football podcast where they were going to talk about the tribunal. All right. So I think of the footy podcast I listen to. So the Fox Footy podcast. Yeah. Tom Morris heads up one of them. Yeah. And I think he would. He seems like the kind of guy. He's a young go getter. He seems like the kind of guy who'd want to sit on a panel. But you need an older, yeah. sort of retired. Who? who Mike Shan. Mike, Sh- oh, well, hang on. I don't know. <laughs> Didn't they? Hasn't he been cancelled? Sam Newman. Sam Newman. <laughs> Grant Thomas. <laughs> well, no, I should want one of those three guys because yeah. they would definitely yeah. take my side of Political the Political correctness gone mad. Yeah. Can't even pinch a guy on a podcast <laughs> Pinch anymore. and punch. Yeah. Back in my days, you'd pinch, a, pinch and punch a guy to death. That's how we would open our podcast. Yeah. We'd all pinch and punch <laughs> Mike Sheehan until he forgot he was a credible journalist and became a casual racist like us. Now, did you know there was football being played tonight? As we record this on a Tuesday night, I had no idea there was games scheduled for tonight there's two games uh, i am aware that the adelaide uh, crows have had their first victory for the season and every in, in a master stroke by clarko <laughs> he's a genius <laughs> every team was fearing like when it became clear that adelaide were terrible this year you just didn't want to be the team that lost to adelaide like st kilda got a bit wobbly against adelaide i think you know they got within like two kicks and i was like oh don't be the team i'm glad that hawthorne were the team that finally gave Adelaide their victory. It seems, in this season of all seasons, with what Clarko's been to, it seems like appropriate. He's never really had a terrible season, has he, Clarko? I mean, maybe in the first couple of years of when he coached, but it's all been pretty good for Clarko. Do you think Jeff Kennett feels like he's gone early on calling for Clarko to move on? 
Like he went after about round three where it was hard to justify. But if he'd gone after, if he'd held his fire, Jeffrey, mm. until they lost embarrassingly to Adelaide, a team that had gone uh, zero for the rest of the season. We're looking at the first season since, you know, in 80 years or something to go through an entire season without winning a game. If he'd come out after that and called for Clarko to move on, would he have had more traction with that? Um, Probably. I mean, I think that maybe you could look at it two ways. Was Jeff Kennett playing 4D chess? <laughs> Isn't that a phrase that I'd never heard until like the last couple of years? But 4D chess is now the buzzword. Was Jeff Kennett... What I love about the idea of 4D chess is it implies <laughs> that the AFL industry is done with regular three-dimensional chess. <laughs> yeah. Like we've mastered that. We can all agree that the AFL coaches have all been masters of three-dimensional chess up until this point. We need to take our chess to the fourth dimension. What I love about that is what is the fourth dimension? Like, are we talking, are we getting into like science fiction? (laughs) You can also smell the chess pieces. (laughs) I guess it's like, well, what happens when you go to the movies and it's in 4D? That's like movement and smelling. They give you, put you in a chair. Spray water in your face. I mean, maybe that's what he was doing. Maybe 4D chess in football right. terms is a, it's a it's a Gatorade bukkake. Yeah, they, that's the <laughs> they strap you in a chair and they spray Gatorade in your face. <laughs> it's a mix between going to the cinema in 4D and going to Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> you get waterboarded with Gatorade. With Gatorade. <laughs> that's what we do the first time players. We went on this camp. That would have been great. So Adelaide. The Adelaide. <laughs> Adelaide. <laughs> they got waterboarded <laughs> with Christ. Gatorade. <laughs> while they played the Richmond theme song. Um, so, well, that's good, though. That's that, good for Matthew Nix. Yep. Um, that's good did, for... Did he have to get one win to be assured? Like, no, no. one blames Matthew Nix for this situation, surely. But if he'd gone with no wins, I think there would be a reason to move him on. I think well, this you makes know, him no, safe you now. You couldn't move him on. I don't think you would move him on. Even if they hadn't won a game? Even if they hadn't won a game. I think that would have been fine if they hadn't won a game. They're clearly not a good team. Okay. I'm, I think morally and ethically. Knicks, you, which is a uh, synonym for zero, oh, you just one. did not want to have that next to your name. You know, yeah. like Knicks for Knicks, the front page of the Adelaide Advertiser <laughs> at the end of the season, just not something that you want to see. Yeah, I think that all they needed was one kind of uh, I mean, look, they, they beat Hawthorne. That's not like beating a top eight team or anything like that, but they're Hawthorne. You know, there is yeah. some kind of kudos to, to, to beating Hawthorne. It's Hawthorn. funny, isn't it? There's some kudos because they used to be good, yeah. but Adelaide used to be good. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. not, It doesn't actually mean anything that you used to be good. I don't think Hawthorne after the game are going, oh, well, look, Adelaide played in a grand final a couple of years ago. I mean, of course we should listen there. Well, that just changes so quickly too. Like, uh, I, you know, I don't want to bring up um, recent wounds for you, but t- that Bulldogs uh, Geelong game. Did you watch the whole thing? Did you? I d- did you turn wa- it off? I haven't watched any of it, so oh. I wasn't watching it at the time. But I did check the score at quarter time, and then I consistently checked the score for the rest of the night because I was essentially planning that. Because I, I think we might have even had some company. We did. We had company for the first time in a very long time. We were catching up with Justin Hamilton. I didn't want to like stop down and watch the footy, but I was like checking the score. Like we were six goals up in the first quarter. There was just a part of me that was like, 
how good's this night? I'm hanging out with one of my best friends in the world. And when he leaves, yeah. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to enjoy watching uh, this game. But obviously... Well, it's weird. Uh, Last week we talked about the Bulldogs yes. and we were saying, like, their best is so good. Like, it's so good. But they just can't trust them to produce their best. And they it was like they decided to do a test case in one game. They showed the best and the worst. That first quarter was the most scintillating football I've seen like they were so good. They looked like they should be top of the table. And then I don't know what happened. Like, I mean, Geelong are a good side and they're good at squeezing teams, but it, it looked like you guys just stopped <laughs> or lost your way. We can be shut down. Like we have a certain style of playing that if you can't shut it down is almost irresistible to other teams. Like that's why, you know, we had a six goal quarter against, uh, Whoever we bought, like Adelaide, Adelaide. No, Melbourne, Melbourne. Right. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, 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 that's right. In the third right? quarter, yeah. We had the third quarter against Melbourne. Then we have this third quarter. I was tempted just to watch the first quarter, but I thought, no, that's because it's just horrible. You know how like, the story ends. It's like, well, you know what? I've watched some stories where I knew they were going to end badly, but I enjoyed the good times. Well, like you knew that it wasn't going to end well for Tony Soprano, but you could still enjoy sometimes that he was Tony Soprano. I mean, when the Saints were six goals up against Frio at the start of the year and we lost that game and I didn't watch it either. And I heard everyone say, oh my God, what a capitulation. And I did go back and watch it. And it actually made me feel okay because it was like, holy shit, like we just literally stopped trying. But that first quarter, but that was at the start of the season. You were playing for finals. Like that's yeah, the- we needed to win you to needed to finals win. and we were in a position to win against um you know a pretty good team up oh, there they're fucking awesome it's i you said something last week that sort of stuck with me where it's like they're good at winning games but when it comes to finals that'll be the test and i'm very curious to see because everything about them at the moment is just like irresistible you know they've they've just beaten all the good teams you know they were six goals down they overcame that challenge tom hawkins is Reborn. I maybe I'm misremembering this, but I feel like Tom Hawkins has been written off like half a dozen times in his career. Like pretty much since he started, he's been written off, and now he's just the best forward going around. Gary Rowan, like they've turned Gary Rowan into this fantastic impact player, like a a Jake Stringer or a Dusty Munn. Like you know what I mean? Like short, like impact player. Yes, Ramona, what is it? Money's. Do you want to cuddle? Yeah, she wants a cut off. But all right, come on, get up. Yeah, they um they look amazing, but it will be interesting to see what happens. Sorry for everyone listening to that. It's a very noisy oh, There you go. All right, you're in my lap. Uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens with them come finals time because Richmond, who I had sort of written off last week, and this is how everything changes so quickly, look amazing again. And now it's like, well, they've got the experience, they've got the hunger back. Joey Montagna talks about Geelong as being they, – that's he, they, he calls them the last dance team. He thinks there's a lot of parallels in terms of retiring, you know, superstars and they've got, they've got the age profile just right and they're going to go for one last gasp. But I think you could say the same thing about Richmond. They seem like more of the three-peat Chicago Bulls, don't they? Yeah. I mean, I think Richmond – like, I mean, I, th- I thought West Coast were going to win the other night, but you're absolutely right. West Coast hate Queensland. Yeah, hate it. <laughs> like, they hate it. Although they're, they're leading, as we speak, there are two goals up on the Bombers at the moment. And speaking of the Bombers, Joe Danaher's back. 
the smallest head in football. I've forgotten how small that head was. It wasn't wasn't until I saw him on the field again. I'm like, oh, that's right. Good player, but very, very small head. Well, speaking about... By the way, can I just say, Ramona has now moved from my lap to Will's and she is getting in front of the microphone. She's like literally kissing my face at the moment. It's okay, but you can't... Like, you've got to keep 1.5 metres away. We've got to be COVID safe. Um, So, I think that... um, Richmond are probably premiership favourites again yeah. now. I, I now just, that they've beaten the Eagles. I think so. Like, I don't know why. I mean, I guess it does, again, depend on where the finals end up getting played. But if they're played in Queensland, West Coast might not even go. I don't know what it is they hate so much about Queensland, Western Australia. Is there some traditional rivalry between... Is it kind of because... They're very they, similar. Yeah, right? Is that yeah. what it is? They're like similar, but on different sides of the country. Yeah. So there's like a, they should be best friends. Yeah. Because they have so much in common. Yeah. Like they have beaches and bogans and yeah. shark's tooth necklaces. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, they lose a lot of people to things that come out of the ocean. <laughs> mining. Yeah. They, they've done very well at a mining. They have some conservative views amongst the populace. There is a very similar, they should be best mates. And instead they seem to be mortal enemies. Yeah, I think that might might have something to do with it. And maybe also, too, like the Eagles are the biggest thing in WA, yeah. but then they get to Queensland and it's like the Broncos or, you know, it's rugby league. They're not the they're not the big boys. They're, they're completely anonymous. They don't get fetid like they do back in WA. Oh, you, you think that's what it is? Yes. So used to that, drink like- cards. <laughs> <laughs> they want drink cards. I mean, the that's explained like, uh, The AFL's paying, paying for everything. Yeah. You can have free drinks. No, we want drink cards. <laughs> and by that, we mean drugs <laughs> from a nightclub promoter. Call Carmichael Hunt. <laughs> yeah, Queensland's like, we've got drugs here. What are you talking about? Well, the interesting thing with Richmond at the moment isn't necessarily what's happening on the field. It's all the fucking drama happening off the field with like, you know, Brooke Cochin's dad, you know, standing up for his daughter and Brendan Gale's wife, like chiming I mean, in. It's this like is all the great twists yeah. that the hub has provided us. <laughs> this is the real housewives of Richmond. Yes. You know, it's the president. The real hub wives. Yeah. The real hub wives because it's the president's wife getting in a stout with like the father-in-law of the, like captain's bra- wag, bra- like it's amazing. I'm like, whatever is happening right now, and they're the best team in town. Well, what I find interesting about all of this is the the reporting on it is with the original instance of Brooke posting that photo from the spa and, you know, uh, Richmond and, you know, Mitch Cleary. The, the day spa. The day spa. The way, not the, the hot tub. Hot tub time machine, no. <laughs> but the fact that like Richmond, um, you know, essentially did a deal or had an agreement with the AFL about like, all right, we're going to deal with this internally. Let's keep it quiet. And then an AFL journalist, you know, re- retweets a photo or whatever. And they chuck yeah. the shits and it's like. Retweets her photo. Yeah. That she posted on social herself. Media. But the idea that good teams have the ear of the AFL to say, hey, look, listen, we're going to. Is that how a, 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 like a commissioning body yeah, works that yeah. the good teams get to tell them what to do? Michael Warner's back. Yeah. Good to have you on the podcast, Mick. <laughs> It's all a conspiracy, isn't it? It's not a conspiracy, but I was just surprised that, you know, uh, Brendan Gale or whoever, you know, was defending Richmond or standing up for Richmond would feel comfortable going to the... When they're, when they're in the Chatham. wrong... 
in so much as you might not have known about four-dimensional chess before you followed the <laughs> AFL, a thing that you might not be familiar with until you know how the AFL operates is a thing called negotiated outcomes. <laughs> the AFL loves, loves nothing more than a negotiated outcome, which means that the two parties come together and come to some sort of agreement so that you're not warring about everything. They like to solve everything through negotiated outcomes. And it is the way that the AFL does business. I get, the- I, I get that, but I guess the naivety on my part was, well, of course a team that has 100,000 members and, you know, brings huge revenue in, they are going to have... You mean the major stakeholder? Yeah. The major stakeholders. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're going to have a, a, a yeah. bigger seat at the table than a North Melbourne or a Melbourne or a St Kilda or a Bulldogs, you know, that... I, like expect that if the melbourne comedy festival is making some big change that they might run it past me because like i sell a lot of tickets at their festival they like make a lot of money out of the fact that i'd like with that status and Mm. that's why the big clubs have always had more power not just more money in the this is why our club so would you had so comedy festivals in lockdown Amy uh, gets a freebie at a day spa yeah. and posts a photo, even though, you go, even though you guys are meant to be in a hub. Yeah. And Melbourne Comedy Festival comes yeah. to you and says, well, that's not good enough. No. And you and your management say, well, look, we yeah. will deal with this. We'll mm. issue an apology, blah, blah, blah. And then someone from the Comedy Festival, their from, publicist. Then someone from, yeah, from the, the Melbourne Comedy Festival website. Yeah. <laughs> like retweets Amy's photo. Do yeah. you then threaten Melbourne Comedy Festival or do you go, well... You know, we've made this bed. We lie in it. Do you take? Do you take? Do you just take it on the chin? Uh, interesting. Um, so I think that, and I mean, very unrealistic scenario <laughs> that we've painted on pretty much every fucking level on this one. But I would say it starts with the the negotiation. We haven't heard about it, which is the negotiation between the captain of the team mm. and his family yes. about you know the sacrifice they're going to have to make to come up and do this thing, right? So. There's always the internal family politics of like, it, it might not be a good time. Like maybe, you know, they've got a bunch of young kids. Like she's a, you know, prominent businesswoman in the social sphere in her own right. Like he's gone, hey, we have to move everybody without any of the help that you normally have and blah, blah, blah up to here. And she's like, well, I still need to be able to do some of my like business, business and online presence. And, you know, I think in that situation, you probably... Yeah, I, you know, I guess, like, I don't think that I would personally, because it's just not really my style, but I can see a situation where you'd be like, well, fuck the AFL website at yeah. the very least. Like, you know, like, fuck them. Next time you come to me and go, you want, like, a list of five funny comedians to say <laughs> yeah. the comedy festival, you're like, you're going to get a list of fucking five funny comedians. But if, it, if the the specific example was a retweet, it wasn't like Mitch Clear. I mean, and here's us, a fucking a story that was six weeks ago and we're finally getting finally. to... <laughs> But he didn't, Hot topics. he didn't even write an article. It was not. It was just a, a, a retweet. So yeah. would you still hold the same? Uh, like, there's no malice. There's no even intent to damage. It was just a. It was a. It's a function of the the app. Okay. He, okay. Let's take it to the next bit. I wouldn't. Maybe Trent Cotchin doesn't. Right. He's the guy who's close enough to it. He understands how it all works. But in this scenario that you've painted. Amy's been like, you know, shamed all over the paper for something that she thought was well within her rights to be doing. Yeah. You know, she didn't think she was doing anything wrong. She wouldn't have posted it on social media if she thought she was doing anything wrong. Suddenly it's become a massive issue. 
beyond her control. She's everywhere, you know, being publicised, people having like public commentary. The the comedy uh, Reddit boards are lighting up with commentary around this. There's been an article on Chortle. It's, it's, oh it's, really, it's really caught fire. And so um, could her dad be pissed off? and feel like, mm-hmm. you know, that she's been badly treated. Yeah, I think that that's probably because he's a step away, right? Yeah. He's a step outside that and he's looking after, you know, his daughter in that situation. Yeah, but does his dad then come to you and your management and say, yeah. you need to do a better job defending her? I mean, again, hypothetical situation. <laughs> yeah, possibly. That could happen, right? Yeah. It's like, I mean... If and then, it, Kev's, it, then Kev's wife comes out and there's a go at you. <laughs> Suddenly this has got very complicated. <laughs> um, speaking, okay, it's yeah. Iona. Iona. Iona yep. is the... Um, uh, ambassador. The, the, yeah, uh, she's a social media ambassador. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she is also the uh, wife of and uh, mother of the children of like the captain of, you know, the yeah. premiership football team, yeah. right? similar situation happens. You're the father in this situation. What's your late call? Um, look, it depends. I think I believe in personal responsibility. And I think that, you know, if she genuinely felt like she'd fucked up, I would defend her if I felt she's been unfairly dealt with. (laughs) My microphone just went, oh, Oh. microphone just completely broke. Broke. I melted it with conversation. I'll just hold it. Okay. Um, I think I would, I would, if she was being, if the, if the flack she was copying seemed disproportionate to the crime, then I would defend it. But I think that there's no harm in learning from mistakes. Does that sound hard? I mean, she's not even one years old. She's like, fuck you, Dad. This is a hypothetical situation. At least have my back. Good to know. Uh, Good but to this, know you don't even have my back in a hypothetical situation. This is an issue that happens all the time with me and Jim all the time. Is she like, is always accusing me of not having her back. And I'm like, yeah. I do have your back. But I also try and look at things in their entirety yeah. fairly. And she's yeah. like, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. Yeah. It's I want to not blind de- defense. But, right? So maybe, and again, this is, you know, I mean... This is firstly, a football podcast. Firstly, topical. <laughs> firstly, a very topical conversation. Like, this is what we need. To talk about AFL issues, they have to go away and come back again. <laughs> if an issue has been reignited, we will finally look at it for the very first time. Let's talk about the dreaded osteitis pubis. <laughs> so, but in this situation, maybe you're like... You don't owe the football club any sort of, no. you know, loyalty. You owe your daughter loyalty. And she, she doesn't want you to be rational, Dad. She yeah. wants you to be that's actually a good back at all situations, that, Dad. That's a good point because the, it's a third party. It's not like, you know, I, if Iona was playing for no. the Richmond AFLW side, no. I think that I would... I would, I would think this is more something you have to deal with, but this is a third party having got my daughter for something unrelated. You know, they are a football club. Why are you, you know, harping on about what my, my daughter does for a living? So I can actually see why he would probably be a bit more defensive in right. that regard. Like internally in the relationship, it's a bit more like you and Gemma in that yeah. like Trent might be a bit more objective, but dad doesn't need to be objective no. in that situation. Dad's job is just to have you back, you know, regardless you know, Trent probably doesn't want to get into it. You yeah. know, they're still smarting from the damage that was done by that <laughs> fancy haircut he had in that final that ruined everything. Ruined everything. 
was her suggestion. It's always been just bubbling away underneath the surface and now this has fucking happened. <laughs> At a day spa of all places, <laughs> the fashion industry conspiring to bring him down again. Why can't you just go to Just Cuts? He screams. <laughs> I'll cut your hair. Come here. I'll give you a haircut. No, it can't be that hard. Put this bowl on your head. Snippy, snip, snip. All right. Maybe go to Just Cuts. I think I've stuffed it. <laughs> now it's short, short down the middle and long on the sides, right? Um, so Joe Danaher came back. Oh, yeah. And uh, dominated. Mm-hmm. Well, dominated in the second half. Yeah, dominated in the second half. But this is a win-win, right, for, for Essendon and for Joe because... Mm. Is it? Well... It's a win for Joe so far. No, I is think it's it a, a win, win for, for Essendon? Essendon. Yeah, because it's trying... If he, if he maintains... Because the, the popular opinion is that he's going to go and he's a free agent at the end of this year and he's going to go. So him showing his value in the last like four or five rounds just means they get a better priority but if he's going to go it's a win-win i think yes but it makes other clubs more interested Mm. for a start drives up the matching price if you were going to like consider because if he shows too much right yeah you don't want him to go and he does straighten them up like they gave him they look a lot better with him playing yeah and i guess tall forwards don't grow on trees no so if he plays a Although he looks like he grew it from a tree because his head is a nut like, like an, an acorn. acorn. <laughs> <laughs> Just plant him upside down, Wisher says. Just put his head upside bloody down and see if he can grow another dead hair on top of his head. What do you think uh, you'd be happy with a compensation in the draft if you're Essendon? Top 10? Top depends, 5? Depends what the next four weeks look like. Because none of us, like, how many? I, I don't think I forgot that he was a good player. The question mark over him isn't his talent on the football field. The question mark over Joe Danaher is clearly the size of his tiny head. <laughs> no, no, no. The question is, can we have a guy accepting a premiership medal from a child who has a bigger head than the guy he's giving the medal? Well, it's to? easy for them to put the medal on his neck. Like, it's not going to get stuck in his hair Joe or anything Danaher like will have to give the kid the medal just for it to look proportional. The question mark is his body question marks his body and his fitness so it's how what happens over the next few weeks whether they play him a lot whether did he play tonight uh, he's playing now yeah i don't know i'll see if he's kicked any yeah. goals or anything but the from the look of it he seemed to be enjoying himself and i saw the press conference he did or the interview he did after the game and he obviously had some time to think about he knew he was going to get asked some questions and he was making all the right sounds if you're an ascendant supporter like maybe the time away from football and, you know, COVID has obviously taken away the fishbowl element of Melbourne. Like he's not getting hassled by fucking anyone. He probably would love to get hassled by someone in the street these days. Is there a chance that, because there has been this theory that this hub period is going to be incredibly good for Gold Coast's chance to recruit people to Gold Coast because people have been living in the Gold Coast, they've suddenly realised, hey, this is actually a bad place to spend your winters. And like, 
Is there a chance that Joe Danaher would stay at Essendon if they could guarantee that we're going to have another COVID season where they have to play out of, yes. out of Queensland? <laughs> out of Queensland. I think a, a bunch of players, apparently the Saints are staying at a resort in Noosa, just having a fucking time of their lives. It's part of the, one of the theories why we've been playing so well this year is like, just been in a resort away from the cold of Melbourne. Well, I mean, I Melbourne without COVID is tough in winter. The Bulldogs have got an incentive on the line because we get replaced at our really nice place. Right. If we don't not, make finals. If we're not going to be making the finals. They're going to shuffle us out and shuffle some better team in. Back to the cold grey Witten Oval. Well, not the Witten Oval, but well, like the Queensland equivalent of the Witten Oval. What do you mean? No, but if you don't play finals, don't you go back no, to No, 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 but as in like as we get closer to the finals. Oh, right. If we're not in contention, we get moved out of the good <laughs> hotel back into a shittier hotel. Like a Ridges or something on the Gold it's Coast. <laughs> Okay, Joe Danaher. So uh, it's currently half time, and the Eagles are 16 points up, 45 playing 29. Joe Danaher has had three disposals, one behind. Right. So, so not an electric no. follow up. But he didn't play well in the first half last week. Maybe he's only got a good second half in him. Uh, who's Who's been dominating? Doesn't really say. Nah. Oh, yeah. Liam Ryan. He's playing well. Kicked a goal. Hard to say. Who do you think is going to win that game? Halftime, Eagles are 16 points up. I mean, I would have said West Coast before the game, but there is the they hate Queensland factor. Yeah. I think we've got West Coast next week. So if I'm tipping purely on, you know, your own, I'd prefer they win this week and then drop it against the Bulldogs. Or do I? Or do I prefer that they lose this week and then no, you want they them start to, to think that win. they can't win in Queensland? Oh, that's a good question. No, I think they win. You want them to win comfortably this week and yeah. get cocky, like because they're Western Australians who like who are used to getting drink cards. <laughs> so maybe they win tonight. Cards. Maybe we need to get them a few drink cards. Get a few drink cards. They think this is the way it's going to keep going. Uh, we've got the Eagles in two weeks. I think we've got to buy this week Hawthorne then the Eagles. So what do we? Okay, so we want them to win tonight, and then you'll beat. Oh, but then if you beat them, then they're going to rampage over us. So, well, maybe we need them to lose tonight, lose to us, and then just feel like they can't win. Oh, yeah, they'll just give up after one loss. <laughs> well, that's kind of what they did at the start of the year. Right. It did feel like that. Get in their heads that they can't play in Queensland. You were no good at the start of the year, and you're no good now that you're back here. <laughs> <laughs> Bevo, you're giving the address to the wrong group of players. <laughs> I know. This is my new tactic. I'm not addressing my own players before the game. I run out on the field and I address the opposition players. I just love it. Like suddenly Eagles are getting like crank phone calls at 2am of just a guy just saying that, just a, just an anonymous voice saying, you hate playing in Queensland. You're no good yeah, in it. Yeah. You're going to lose. Just like, just <laughs> mentioning prominent Queensland things. Yeah. Just like, uh, Joe Bielke Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Bananas. <laughs> I was going to say the big banana, but it's in like Coffs Harbour or somewhere. In New South yeah, Wales. that's right. So <laughs> that was the first thing I went to too. You went to Bananas and I was going to go the big banana. <laughs> I'm sure there's other things. I'd love Alfie that. Langer. I could just see like the cops, they're trying to work out who's making the call. So the cops are in the room with like the Oigos player, the phone rings and they're listening and then they listen back to the tape and a guy's gone, I think... Sounds like they're in a skate park. I think I can hear a half pipe. <laughs> and then they're like, we know who this is. Bring up that audio in the background. <laughs> yeah. It's clearly a guy doing a kickflip ollie. Yeah. He's in a rock air to fakie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
they bring an audio expert in who happens to be also a skating expert. It's Bevo. They go to Bevo's uh, hub room and he's like, no, no, there's nothing. I don't even have a skateboard. And then they find like ashes outside the window where he's burnt all his decks. Not like melted wheels. Didn't he get given a skateboard for his 50th or something? Well, he, so he could hide a skateboard. You hide a skateboard in the roof or something if you're in a hotel. Like you take a panel out of the roof. I'd escape up there. Yeah. But then, just as the cops are about to leave, the skateboard just shifts, moves. Yeah. As they just hear it. They just hear yeah. it rolling. <laughs> the ball bearings slipping as it rolls across. And Ben's like, all right, guys, see you later. Thanks for coming around. What was that? Nothing. Nothing. Ah, oh, it must be possums. Just, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. just here in my room, studying some tapes. Admittedly, it's a tape of the search for animal chin. <laughs> Uh, so can the Bulldogs make it mathematically everything yeah. has to go right from mathematically, now on mathematically but like how many wins have you got for this year six uh, don't know but like a, a lot of things have to go right we have to win the rest of our games and Sorry. a lot of things have to go right basically for the Bulldogs to, there are um, much teams that have better runs and better shots at it like in front of us so even if we win the rest of the games we're not necessarily guaranteed that we'll make the finals yeah you're only you're only one game out of the eight yeah your percentage is okay it's okay you can still make it Essendon win tonight they're probably gonna they'll probably keep you and GWS out by the looks yeah. of things fucking Melbourne Melbourne looking okay Melbourne might make the finals same percentage uh, same points as you much well 10% better than you and having said that, like everyone's talking Melbourne up, but they were lucky to beat us. Like that felt like a game that we lost rather than they won. We had like 16 more inside 50s. We won clearances. We just, we had one of those games where we dominated the first 15 minutes, but we couldn't kick a goal. And so we had no scoreboard pressure and they, and that was one of, and they'd go down the other end and they would kick it. And so it just became a, a, a scoreboard game. I think we had more scoring shots than them as well. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the Bulldogs thing as well, where you're just like, if Melbourne made the finals, you know, we dominated them. And we dominated Geelong for, like, enough to go, you can dominate these teams, but we just don't have a whole game of that in it. I just trust Richmond and Geelong and these sort of teams. I still have a bit of a soft spot for Port Adelaide. I think, mm. you know, they're going to finish top of the ladder. They've been top of the ladder every single round for the entire season. Like they were top of the ladder after round one and they have never not been top of the ladder. You've got to give them a chance. Mm. And they'll probably, well, they're they're going to host a final as well. Right. I mean, I don't know. Does it really, I I sort of feel like that home ground, apart from WA, I don't think that there's any particular advantage Adelaide versus Queensland. I don't, because most teams have played there a bunch of times this year. Yeah, but I will say that like, can you imagine if Adelaide got the grand final? Do you know that Adelaide. they haven't? They've announced... Oh, do they announce yeah, it tonight? It's the Gabba, yeah. It is the Gabba. Yeah, Twilight game. So it doesn't uh, clash with the Cox Plate. <laughs> the Mason Cox Plate. Mason Cox is running a few races that day. <laughs> it's all the regular horses, but they're running against Mason Cox. Um. Okay, here's a one to throw in the mix then. What about Collingwood? Because I think there's a chance that Collingwood now make the finals. Mm. And if they 
Collingwood were a really good team. If they can get it all together at the right part of the get season, the, do they suddenly become a... Yeah, and they look good too. Like the way they won, it was they they just looked like what you're saying, a dependable professional outfit. And if they can get like, I mean, I don't know if Dugowie's actually meant to be coming back this year, but if they get a few players like that back, Steele, right. uh, they get him back, then yeah, definitely. I don't I don't feel like they they can go deep. But I reckon they could definitely cause some headaches. They might cause an upset or two, or maybe get to a, or maybe they could get to a prelim. I don't know. I just sort of feel like that top four of Brisbane, Port, Geelong, uh, Richmond. It's pretty solid. I mean, that's not a, that's not even like counting West Coast. Did you see the Nathan Buckley story? Mm. Where he was, um, so Robbo, Robbo wrote a story about, you know, like there is a. Because we love these sort of stories, obviously, you know, about the game. And there is something quite magical about the idea that Nathan Buckley was, you know, one of the best footballers of his generation, but never managed to play in a grand final. Or never managed to win a grand final, sorry. Mm. Uh, win a premiership. And then as a coach has come so close and yet not got there as well. And I think that there is some sort of, you know beauty and like you know reframing that as this guy with all the absolute talents who've never been able to quite get there and then that must destroy somebody i think it's there's an extra layer with bucks because there's been plenty of super talented players who you know um robbie flower and bobby skilton only played a couple of finals or whatever but i think it's more the persona of nathan buckley because he has such high expectations and he excels he seems to excel in everything he applies himself to It'd be like if if the drugs saga hadn't happened at Essendon, the same conversation would be happening around James Hurd, I reckon. They're just the exceptional kind of high achievers. And Robbo, who, you know, knows... He's also an exceptional high achiever. exactly. I mean, one of the greats. (laughs) One of the absolute greats. Yeah. Robbo, um, in the usual way that he writes his articles, smashed his face against the keyboard. <laughs> fell asleep fell after asleep. his neck and a bottle of Jack Daniels. Daniels on his keyboard and, and the autocorrect that they've installed in his system <laughs> turned it into an article. He just mumbled half asleep in <laughs> the dictation app. So Nathan Buckley made a point of saying that he was very happy and that his life was very fulfilled and that, you know, while he obviously would love to, you know, achieve a premiership it wasn't going to you know realistically affect how he viewed his life one way or the other which i thought was a very reserved way of telling robo to go fuck himself yeah 100 percent. like there must have been a temptation if nathan buckley's dad had got involved (laughs) like the response would have been much more vitriolic of like how fucking dare you this is a man who has like yes he hasn't won but he's played in one and he's like coached in one. Like he won a Norm Smith as a he's player. Won a Brownlow medal. He's coached his club to incredible success. And they were a hundred seconds away from winning a flag. Right. Like this is a guy who has been super successful and whose record is super successful. Like there must have been a temptation to just tell Robbo to go like Nathan Buckley to just go I've made a list of the five biggest cunts in the AFL and guess what Rob <laughs> you're number one I reckon though there is a a new breed of footballer now or ex-footballer I should say commentators and stuff because if you look at 
who's in the commentary box now. Like, I mean, I'm biased towards Saint, ex-Saints, but like Nick Revolt and Nick Del Santo, the way they talk about the game, you know, like in a 360-degree view of it, you know, not just as the, the, the sport itself, but, you know, as something you've grown up with. And I've heard Nick Revolt talk about his grand final disappointments, even in his book, and he talks about like, yeah, of course, it's like a crushing disappointment. But if he measured his life based on that one small component of his life, then it would be pretty tragic, you know? And he says he knows guys who have won flags and their lives are a mess. Like just because that is your occupation for a certain amount of time, if that is how you qualify your success, your life success, then there's a real issue. The whole point of the game is just to play the game to see who's best on the day, right? Mm. Like, yeah, I think it was Lee Matthews who said it. If, maybe I'm wrong, but I think... Lee Matthews, who I heard say it first, which was like when when asked who was going to win on grand final day, says, I don't know. That's why they play the game, right? That's why they play the game. You know this probably more acutely than most because you saw your team play it two weeks in a row. Yep. And on one day, they were equal with the other team at the end of the day. And then the next week, it got smashed. Right. But like that that's why they play the game. Yeah. It's who is best on that day to win the thing. It's why the best team doesn't always fucking win. That's whole, the whole, that's part of what you've signed up for, right? Yeah. Is to just play the game. And I think we've, we've ended up taking it. I mean, you talk about the players, the players are fucking smart now. Remember the old days when the, like the journalists were the smart ones and the players <laughs> were the fucking buffets. Yeah. And now it's the completely other way around. The journalists, yeah. not all of them. There's some brilliant journalists as well, but there's some fucking buffed journalists and most players like see the game in ways that are so much more interesting than the fucking buffed journalists. And I think that's reflected in the fandom as well. Like I'm always surprised when you see those, like if you know the comments under an article or whatever, where because there is that kind of old buffhead mentality of like toughen up princess and great blah, blah, word, blah. by the way, buffhead. Yeah, it is great. I'm like, what an absolute fucking buffhead. That is Robbo. Yeah. Robbo is an absolute fucking buffhead. But I think there is a more of a movement towards like uh, more considered football fandom as well. Like, you know, when a story comes out about, you know, like a magic door or something like that, there's a tremendous amount of compassion and understanding and willingness just to pump the brakes on footy fandom for a second and realize that there's a human being who's struggling and that we should all get behind them, which is why, you know, his comeback game was so fantastic because then you marry the two things that you love. You love footy fandom and the culture and the cheering and stuff, but then there's like a human triumph story as well. And I th I'm hoping, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about has like Bay 13 been pushed online, you know, with all this horrible trolling and all that kind of stuff but i'm hopeful that they are the minority they're the ones that get all the headlines but i i feel like there is a, a shift in the way people support their teams now I, as well. I think that like base 13 you could go well that's where all the buffets are if you want to be a buffet for the day you head down to base 13 and you you meet your fellow buffets and you have a buff off right <laughs> but, okay so but with the internet it doesn't make it feel like they are Bay 13. Yeah. It makes it feel like they are a more a dominant part of the conversation, I think. Caroline Wilson had an interesting take on this exact topic because they were talking about Dylan Grimes and how he's had those two guys charged and all that kind of stuff. And she was saying, 
you know, she cops it of all probably. Caroline Wilson. <laughs> but she was saying like, it's just, you just have to not look. Like she doesn't have Twitter or yeah. anything like well, that. Well, I mean, for her, that's just smart though, because like Caro, firstly, if she was a man, she'd be getting a whole, like she'd be getting the sort of, she'd be a twerp. Like cane corns, yeah. right? People would think Caro was a twerp. And she knows that. She's like she, part of her, you know, career and her appeal has been being provocative, having mm. strong opinions, like, you know, pursuing stories really hard. And she's a fabulous journal, journalist, Caro, regardless of, you know, how you feel about, you know, some of the takes she has on things. She's like, you know, really has earned her fucking stripes. But obviously being a woman mm. in that role in the period she's been a woman in that role. She must have, like you, we talked about um, Robbie Muir mm. late last week, but I imagine that Caro, that's not how she frames her life, mm. but there would be of similar levels of vitriol and things that she would have had to fucking put up. And we know some of them, right? Yeah. The famous, you know, Triple M incident where they talked about fucking drowning her, but that's just like the... There'd be a she, million cases she of did, that. Um, if she had Twitter and stuff, that's what she'd be copying all the time. You should listen to Damien Barrett had her on his podcast in the game. I think that's what it's called. Yep. And they talk about that, like, you know, she started in the 70s. I mean, can you imagine what it was must have been like going to a press conference back then when she was like the only female journalist in the room and to be taken seriously? The fact that she has survived and thrived for so long is remarkable. For so long. Like, she's still the, you know, I mean, you could make an argument she's still the dominant, you know, kind of football opinionist commentator journalist in the game, but yeah. she's certainly the preeminent female I mean, one. The amazing thing about her too is like so much of that shit that she's had to cop, like even going back 20 years with the footy show when Sam Newman brought out the mannequin and stuff. Oh, horrible stuff. And then, you know, the the drowning thing on Triple M. Like so many of those instances have involved Eddie Maguire, yep. yet she still works with him and doesn't appear to hold a grudge. Like she'll hold his feet to the flame. I'm sure she, you know, doesn't miss an opportunity with her arrow uh, when it's done. But she also doesn't seem to hold a grudge or like be vindictive about it. She just sort of... I mean, it's kind of sad in a way that she just... Her and Eddie are a bit the same like that. Like, they're both people who, like... Don't hold grudges. I think, well, hold grudges <laughs> and play their grudges really fucking hard <laughs> and then kind of are able to put their grudges away for the sake of... Like, you, like you, you know, we were talking before about, like, it being a sport. That's why you play the game. They both play the game hard in their own ways, but they respect the fact that this other person also that they kind of feel like yeah. I'd rather be alongside this other person who's also playing the game hard than, you know... Real respect, real, Will. Yeah. Game <laughs> respects game. In the game respects in the game. A podcast with the same name. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what else is... Like, I don't know if this... Like, I haven't really been paying much more attention. Um, what else? GWS. Oh, well, North. One. We should talk oh, about North. North. Yeah. Poor uh, Reese Shaw's uh, press conference afterwards was the most dejected. I, shin bone spirit is an all-time low at North Melbourne. Uh, I think it's the Did drought. You see the fact that somebody sent us Melbourne and put out their version of shin bone <laughs> yeah. spirit, which is a, gin. a fuchsia gin. Yeah, it's so so Melbourne. <laughs> it's perfect. It's uh, sub-zero gin. You can drink it on the snowfields. Uh, so, yes, North Melbourne. Um, well, you know what? North 
weren't, weren't that good last year and they had a bit of a bounce at the end of the year. And mm. then everyone got they, excited when Richard took they over. Missed Cunnington more than any. He look, we stumbled onto it accidentally, but there's an argument to be made that Ben Cunnington is the most influential player in the AFL because the difference between his team with him and without him yeah. is almost unparalleled to... I can't even imagine another team where you could take one player out and it would have such an effect on the team. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's definitely an element of it. Ben Brown is obviously another huge element and he doesn't seem happy. Like, I believe there is some like stuff away from football that's going on for him at the moment, which is why they gave him some time off. But it's kind of weird... North Melbourne are never shit. Like, they can be underwhelming and mediocre, but you never see them like this. Like, it's actually, it, it's it's sad. And I always feel a bit of sympathy for clubs like St Kilda, like North, that are same size, you know. We're the small guys. And it's like, fuck, man. Like, you're okay when it's Adelaide because they'll be fine. Like, they'll take a couple of years to bounce back. But, you know, they're a big team with a big supporter base. But every time it's a Melbourne or a North or a Saints or a Bulldogs, there's just that... I don't know. The the sort of Damocles is hanging above their head. You know, Tasmania's pushing for a side. When there's people talking about we under the new AFL with the new finances and all the cuts and positions and all these sort of things, there's always clubs that end up bringing up the idea of can we really sustain all these clubs still in the competition? It's just a bad time for North Melbourne to be shit. And it's a Melbourne conversation. It's yeah. Melbourne. Can we sustain all these Victorian sides? Like when COVID started... And, you know, the bottom fell out of everything. I was really worried because the Saints are still, we're like $10 million in debt and we hadn't sort of built our supporter base up that much and the season hadn't really started. So who knew what was going to happen? And I was really kind of relieved when Gill came out and said, you know, it's 18 clubs and they're, we're going to take care of them. We're taking out a massive loan. I think that there is... 18 clubs now, there's going to be 18 when we come back. <laughs> they're not going to be killed or off 12, yeah. but there's going to be 18. <laughs> But I feel like there is, I understand that the AFL, like it's, it's you know, they're, they're a professional world-class sporting organization and you've got to be realistic. But I do feel like it something would be lost if one of the foundation clubs were to go. Like when Fitzroy went, that felt like, it was horribly sad, but at the same time, I was like, well... For the greater good of the game, you know, we need to kind of move into new territory. But now I'm like, as I'm an older, wiser man, if I was a, a Fitzroy supporter, I would still, that would still hurt. I, I doubt I'd even be following AFL. If the Saints folded for some reason, just because, you know, just couldn't get the supporter base and just was run into the ground, it would be incredibly sad. What if the Gabba grand final invigorates passion about AFL football in Queensland. It finally has that breakthrough moment where they realise that, you know what? The Cairns need a team. We need it. We need a second Q clash. Yeah. Right? One Q clash is not enough for this day. We need a second Q. Like a really good game of Scrabble, we need a second <laughs> Q. And they say, we're going to put a team in Cairns. We're going to put North Melbourne in Cairns. The Cairns Kangaroos. Well, that almost happened, right, with the Gold Coast. Yeah, right. So they go up to Cairns. Cairns Kangaroos. Cairns Kangas, beautiful. Love it. Mm. Works perfectly. Mm. Up in the cane fields where they can uh, 
put some sugar in that shit. Just invite a spirit. Just <laughs> make a little sweater on the lips. <laughs> it's like a Bundy rum. Yeah. Like it's, like, it's so perfect. Too. Just like the most bogan. Right. you got to bogan up your shin bonus spirit and if you're moving to far north Queensland. It's perfect. You know what I mean? Like it's like you, you could easily sell that. And then they say, and we're also going to have the Sunshine Coast Saints. Saints. Well, I would prefer that. If that if that has to happen, I would prefer that to we're going to merge you with the Gold Coast. I think that would rip my heart out if it became like, you know, the Gold Coast Saints and there's a sun, like instead of a halo, there's a sun over the head of a, a stick figure. Okay, so let's get real. And then they win like 10 flags in a row and I'm back on board. <laughs> let's get real about this. All right. So I pitched my idea previously about the Byron Bay Bulldogs. Still happy for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But that is mostly motivated by the fact that it'd be convenient for me to go to home games. <laughs> yeah. Right? Say you lived closer... To the Gold Coast. ...to um, the Sunshine Coast mm-hmm. than you did to Melbourne. And so the possibility was that you'd probably see more games if they were playing uh, yeah. on the Sunshine Coast. Would you still... Because, like, personally, you'd actually be able to go and support your team more often. You'd probably be able to be a more active part of the club than if they you know are out of St Kilda is there like maybe Warney and Eric Banner don't make the trip maybe suddenly Charlie Clawson is yeah like you know and to be honest like what if that, that's what happens a few prominent states say we are resigning our membership Warney and Eric Banner and Molly and I get number, like, I get the number one ticket all well well you know what like you bring up a good point I mean you know Gemma and I are like planning on migrating north like that is the plan right. we want to be where it's warm and I guess it would depend on how much because it's for me it's more than just you know the you know the club song or the colors or whatever it's like the history of the club and what yeah. you've been through and it would I mean we once on this podcast spoke about how we felt like the Fitzroy Brisbane merger was a good thing and if you're a Fitzroy supporter you'd have to be happy with the fact that you had that golden era blah 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 and then we had someone email us to say that's actually not what it feels like it feels like my team was just you know stripped for parts and we don't feel connected and they make no effort to reach out to the Fitzroy faithful and blah 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 so I think it would require a a, a fairly hefty PR move by the new marketing team of the Gold Coast Saints, they would need to make Melbourne Saints supporters feel really included and to feel like the legacy of the club was going to be carried on. I don't, I don't know how you'd do that, but I would be willing for them to try. Well, you could do it in Cairns, perhaps because oh, sorry, in the Sunshine Coast, because there's not that like it's not like they have a huge history. Like you could actually come in and pretty much like I don't understand the reason that you need to have a brand new identity. Like, yeah. just because you've moved to Queensland, a lot of Victorians have moved to Queensland. It's actually a very common story. You don't actually, when you move to Queensland from Victoria, you don't have to assume a new identity. You can just be the same person, <clears throat> just living in a different place. I mean, you'd have to take I mean, the, it's essentially what everyone's doing this year, right? But you'd have to take the name of the town, right? So you'd have to be the Gold Coast Saints. You couldn't be the St Kilda Saints and the Gold Coast. It makes no sense. Um, You could be the... Sunshine St Kilda Saints. Sunshine St Kilda. <laughs> what is that? This it doesn't make any sense. We're like, as in, is there a hyphen? Sunshine St Kilda. Sunshine Coast St. Okay, you're the Sunshine Coast St Kilda Saints. Sunshine Coast St Kilda Saints. Yeah, 
I mean, there was a time in the late 80s when St Kilda... S-C-S-K. St Kilda changed their name for a very short time to the Southern Saints. Like the Western... When Footscray became the Western Bulldogs, we changed to the Southern Saints. I think my brother still has like a a T-shirt or a windsheet with that logo. But um, it never... So now you're the Southern Queensland Saints. Well, I guess South Coast Saints. South Coast Saints. South Coast Saints. I don't know. Maybe... It, can we keep red, white, and black, or does it become red, gold, and black? Uh, no, red, white, and black. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Keep everything. Okay. Keep every single thing. All right. Sing what happens? The song. What happens with Morabin? Is that is that like uh, they keep Morabin as some kind of like mecca for Melbourne Saints fans still, or sure. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. If the deal's done, <laughs> we can work out the fine point. We can have seafood if you want as well, mate. We don't mind as long as you come up to the Sunshine Coast. I just have such a like a personal connection to Morabin and you what know, is I, the connection? Though? Well, I would just I saw so many games there. I'd catch the train. You know, I lived not far from the ground, and so I'd catch the train with my brother, and we'd go in and watch games, and I'd go down and watch training, and I got autographs there. I went to the Saints disco. I, I won Rob Harvey's jumper in a in a raffle after a game once like it's it's kind of uh that's my club you know okay what if we okay you know what we'll just take Morabin, <laughs> lift it lift it like just okay. put all the trucks and just take it up the, we'll find a big bit of land near the beach on the sunshine coast and we'll just you know where you do it movie world movie world, because huh? you can recreate it in in a studio you just recreate it but it's better it's like as if James Cameron used his avatar technology to create like pristine and there's even like holograms of Plugger. Like the day Plugger kicked like 12 goals against yeah. Carlton on, like, on oh, Steve no, no, They do like live shows. Yeah. Like they do a movie world. Like, like yeah, man stuntmen. <laughs> stuntmen recreating classic moments. You just see a stuntman come out in one of those inflatable sumo suits as Plugger. <laughs> I love it, like the Police Academy uh, stunt right. show. Yeah, you just like all the famous Morabin moments. Moments from Marabin. oh, look! It looks like they're watering the ground before the game. <laughs> they're turning off the hot water to the visiting team's change rooms. They're not, they're not going to be happy. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's yeah. better than Morabin. You don't like that's how we pitch it. You don't have to. Use, oh, you've got memories at Morabin. Mate, memories are old-fashioned. What if you could relive those moments <laughs> over and over again? Yeah, no, I'm down. You've got me Saints excited about this. Saints world on the Gold Coast. Marabin world on the Gold Coast. <laughs> Saints world on the Gold Coast. <laughs> See where Plugger threw his crutch at Eddie Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, I'm down with that. Man, move it all. Move it all to Queensland. And Fuck you know, it, why not? Like go into like a movie world and those sort of things. Like they'd have the, the AFL land. Like f- famously, they would have that St Kilda disco, right? Yeah, famous. Yeah, you could see like there's an actor there playing Trevor Barker, Trevor Barker passion on the dance like floor. five different chicks at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you can come in, pay extra money to get patched off by the Trevor Barker lookalike. <laughs> yeah, there's a kissing booth. <laughs> With a Trevor Barker lookalike. Trevor look-alike. Barker lookalike in a kissing mood. The kids can go to the toy store and get a Silvio Fashini helmet. Yeah, they're having the meeting with Matt Finnis and Matt's like, I'm not fully convinced. Have we told you about the kissing mood? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I was thinking today um, about uh, 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 my football career and you know where I used to play. And I was like, I was a, I was a, I've spoken about this before. I was a dour halfback. Uh, big-hearted triumph. And I was thinking, like, was that the position that matched my personality? Like, 
Because I was thinking about you as like, if I had to pick a position for Will that I think reflected his personality, what would that be? What would it be? Fullback. Fullback. Dependable, reliable, not overly like pace, filled with skill or pace, whatever, but just a, a leader, dependable, sturdy. Maybe not like the flashiest of players, but just someone you know is going to be there week in and week out. Hard worker. Best season I ever had in my life was when I was... Uh, I must have been 14 because I was still playing under 15s, but I was also playing in the under 18s or whatever it was, the thirds. Yeah. And I came third, I think, in the league best and fairest. And I played that entire season out of the back pocket. Right. You're too big for a back pocket. You're an oversized defender. I was 14 and I was playing against 17. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think that I... I Pinch it in the ruck. Back pocket, pinch it in the rock. I think I have the personality of a half forward or a forward pocket. Lively, buzzing about, doesn't mind a yap. I agree. Or whatever. Yeah. Can no. go missing from time no, to time. <laughs> uh, some charm about him that you just, you like having him around. Yeah. The full forward always plays the, better. When the, I'm, the, I'm the Jack Higgins. Yeah, exactly. Tells a joke. Tells a joke. the game. So maybe players should be put in the position that best reflects their personality. their personality. I mean, is there, are there players that like the totally... Great the coaches came in and just... My whole thing is, I'm just doing... Pers- I'm getting everyone to do a personality test and I'm just going to play them in the position that best... Warwick Kappa. Yeah, Perfect full forward. Full forward. Yeah. Can't imagine Warwick Kappa playing Tony Modra. Can you imagine <laughs> yeah. if Warwick Kappa just like lined up against you at fullback? Who else was perfect in their position? Matthew Scarlett? Yeah, definitely. See, there's a few who you'd think don't match that, like Steve Silvani, Alex Rance. They seem more like your full forward, centre-half forward, kind of cavalier, glamour boys, you know what I mean? But they had that kind of dependable, dour position on the ground. That's that's odd. It's true. They were like, yeah, you were like... I mean, Silvani like, played a lot forward and you know took spectacular marks and all those sort of things. But Rance, yes... Rance looks like your court, American quarterback. Yeah. Rance should be like the star of the show and the fact that he kind of played down the back. He still played like a star, the star. down the back. Yeah, yeah. But it, yes, you're right. I mean, it feels to me that Bevo's not convinced that Tim English has the personality of a ruckman. I'm not convinced. He does. Either. He looks, he's got to, he's at that stage of his career where it's too early where he hasn't established a, a look. He has, he has a generic... It's not like a, even Trent Conchin's generic look is still Trent Conchin's. He well, owns that. Yeah, just exactly. cuts. Yeah, no. But Tim English, I, I mean, I can't even describe his haircut. Like at least Aaron Norton, I, I wrote on Twitter last week, he looks like the lead singer of White Snake. Yeah. You totally get who Aaron Norton is. But Tim English, describe his haircut to me. If you went to the hairdresser to give it, get a Tim English, what would you ask for? Give me the haircut that everyone had when they were not. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, is there even product in that, Tim? What's going know. on? Is there a part? Yeah. I can't even tell. Can you make it less fluffy? I would say to the... It's like, can you give me a businessman's haircut, but fluffy? It's Yeah, it's you're right. It's, an, it's, it's not 10. It's more like adolescent. It's like 13, mm. where you haven't quite worked out you can put product in your hair and you're still... You're still, you're still looking like a boy, but you, he needs to get like uh, a mohawk or long hair or, or dreads or something. Maybe not dreads. <laughs> I just don't, yeah, I don't think that, yeah, cornrows. I don't think that that's, 
he, he just goes in and goes, oh, whatever Adele wore that caused all that uh, controversy on Instagram. That's what I want. Give me a Jamaican bikini top. Tim English says, I love Jamaican music. Could you give me some cultural appropriation to rock? No, I think that he, his last name is defining his look because he looks English. That's right. Right? Yeah. He looks like that stereotypical sort of like, like I don't know, like English sketch comedy. Yeah. Sort of lanky sketch comedy character. University review. Yeah. He he's should be in a, a university review. He's got a real... Uni- Mark Ed- Humphreys. He looks like Mark Humphreys. <laughs> He looks like someone stretched out Mark Humphreys. <laughs> All right, so when then where where should he be playing? What does he look like? Well, the, I think the problem is with Tim English that he's so he's so he's so incredibly skilled. His hands are amazing. He's a really good kick for a guy his size, and he played most of his junior career as a midfielder, and he was a really, really? Good midfielder. And then he had a growth spurt. All oh, right. So I think at the moment he just hasn't sort of grown like he plays a bit like a an extra midfielder but like the bit that he's got to actually but do what is, does he look like he looks like a center half he back. looks like a giraffe a <laughs> newborn giraffe that hasn't quite grown into its body yet it's all fucking legs and neck and he's and like what 20 or something right 20 21 something yeah something will happen he'll go away on a footy trip or something and you'll see in a preseason he'll come back tattooed Long hair, maybe a goatee or something like that. There's a player for St Kilda, Jack Sinclair, who uh, was out of the side for most of the, of the year and then they brought him in. And when he came in, he'd completely redone his look. We had like a little uh, Jack Sparrow, goatee and mustache combo with like longer hair. And it's like he was a short back and sides dude for six years. And then he's like, I need to get back in the side. I need to do something about my look. If you're tall and lanky, it's hard to find a haircut, I think. Like, like if you're big... Then yes, you can, you've got all those sort of long hair, shaggy, big beard sort of options. But like, he has got such blonde hair that I can't imagine him growing like a big flock. He'd look like David Letterman. No, it wouldn't grow down. He needs to go the Phil Carmen look. He needs to go the big buffy white afro. Oh, I think that yeah, right look would suit him like seventies NBA player. Yeah, okay, like Dr. J. Yeah, totally semi pro. Yeah. <laughs> And he starts wearing a headband as well. I mean, Ben oh, Brown kind of what? has that look. Afro and a headband. You That's his look. To, yeah, I, I think I could see that. Comes back with a like, yeah, an afro and wears a fucking headband. <laughs> yeah, and then we find out later it's actually a wig. <laughs> because he is so plain and boring. His hair won't grow that big. <laughs> Just in one game, someone tackles him and his wig comes off. <laughs> Uh, should we do some letters? Let's get to some mail. If you want to send us some mail, you can go to our website, tofop.com. And while you're there, why don't you check out some of our other great podcasts like Tofop, which is a bit like this. In fact, a lot like this tonight. Yeah, <laughs> we I talk mean, about our personal lives more. A lot like this. A lot like this most of the time. Um, and there's also Philosophy, uh, which is your very highbrow, cerebral chat show. Yeah, I have a chat show. It's... Um, made in the same place as we make this though so you know it's not like it's in some fancy different studio i I sit behind this same uh microphone but there is one coming out on monday that i uh, well so there's one on friday uh jen kirkman uh on monday uh just gone katan joshi who's a climate change uh writer who's just written an incredible book about climate change uh spoilers it's not going so well 
And uh, that's a really cool <laughs> chat. Um, Jen Kirkman this Friday. And then next Monday, for sports fans, uh, Matthew Hayden, former Australian cricketer, uh, champion cricketer, played over 100 test matches, uh, held the world record score for highest test runs at one stage, 380 he made in one innings and 30 test centuries, a pretty incredible cricketer, but also a really incredible chat about a whole bunch of things that aren't cricket. In fact, I would have liked to talk about cricket more. <laughs> we talked for about an hour and 45. And I think about... Cricket. I think about half of it, like half an hour maybe was cricket. And I would have preferred if it was like more like the whole thing was cricket. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway... I think got, people say that about football in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if you go to the website too you can contact us there's a contact form down the bottom of the page you just hit the drag down menu select two guys one cup and you can send us a message like Leah who's written in with some cunt chronicle fiction good Uh, it's called Mission Unfifable the AFL is in turmoil in this darkest of seasons played on the fly as a plague ravishes the country just when it seems like nothing worse could happen, suddenly the great footy commentators start dying in mysterious circumstances. Robbo was found dead in the Fox Sports green room. <laughs> a bottle of whiskey in one hand. The other hand, indeed, the entire arm missing. Oh. Bitten off and with some bite marks across his entire body. Okay. Any suggestion it was Glenn Hannibal Wheatley quickly dissipates... <laughs> When his body is found dead in the makeup room, completely <laughs> naked, with a copy of Black Caviar's biography to protect his modesty. Don't I know do, it's died doing what he loves. I know it's mission unfifable, but it's more like seven, right? So far. <laughs> the next day, after the call of after the call of the prelim, in which a Lazarus-like Sydney Swans book. A spot at the big dance, go Bloods. Daisy Pierce is found on the boundary line as dead as Adelaide's season. Oh, no. And a quick inspection of the broadcast box finds Bruce McAvaney butchered with the word special oh, no. scrawled across the, his forehead in blood. Okay. Suddenly, high above the Frio Bay in stately Fife Manor, a phone rings. Aaron, the seven foot three butler, <laughs> takes the phone to Fremantle's eccentric millionaire midfielder. Mr. Fife, it's the CEO on the line. Nat, Nat, it's Gil, blurts out a desperate voice. Nat, who's Nat, comes a stern reply. Sorry, Master Fife, dual Brownlow, dual Brownlow winner and best looking man to ever play the game. It's Gil. That's better, replies Master Fife. We've just received a message from the commentary killer. He's promised to strike again this Sunday, the day after the grand final. He plans to take out the best football brains in the country. And who might that be these days, says Fife. Will Anderson and Charlie Clawson. Oh, no. Fuck me, says Master <laughs> Fife. The commentary killer must have racked up a lot of corpses if those two are the best the game has left. Oh, whatever, mate. Drive by. <laughs> what have we ever said about you that would make you feel so mean-spirited towards us? Yes, says a crestfallen gill. Once he nobbled John Ralph, Two Guys, One Cup became the preeminent footballing voice. Nat, I want you and Ben Cunnington to impersonate Will and Charlie this Sunday at the European Beer Cafe. We've mocked up a couple of Mission Impossible-style masks. See you there at three. Cutting to the chase. I love this with the cunt fiction people. They come up with a great premise and they're like, and then something happens (laughs) and then the end. And And they woke up and it was all a dream. The sting works superbly. Ben Cunnington, with his dodgy back and having not watched any football all season, proves to be the perfect replacement for Will. Oh, yeah. 
And Nat Fife, due to his obsession with his upper body and complete inability to name another player in the entire competition, is a dead ringer for Charlie. <laughs> I mean, story checks out so far. As the show reaches a crescendo, Adam Spencer bursts in from the crowd brandishing a machete. But just as he gets to who he thinks is Will and Charlie, Master Fife rips off his V-neck white designer T-shirt and blinds him with a reflective glow of not one, but two Brownlow medals. And while everyone is distracted by Fife's rippling hairless abs... <laughs> Leah, I think you are distracted by Nat's rippling hairless abs. Yeah, this turned into like Twilight <laughs> Not Twilight Grand Final, Twilight. <laughs> oh, nice. It is going to be a Twilight Grand Final too. Ben Cunnington moves in beside the killer and punches him really hard in the guts. Gil McLaughlin steps forward and removes Spencer's face, revealing Basil Zemplis, oh, yeah. whose dreams of finally being the best commentator in the game have thankfully been thwarted. <laughs> They all live happily ever after as the crowd sings, We are two fifes, one cun. <laughs> Brilliant. Leia, that was amazing. Well done, Leia. Um, okay, this is from Nikki. Body shaming discussion. Hey guys, I couldn't find my fax machine for this one. I just wanted to pop in and say how eye-opening your discussion was and how sorry I am to hear about what happened to you both as young men. As a young woman who has never experienced junior footy clubs or had the experience of being young, uh, being a young, growing man involved in sport, it was really startling to hear what you've both gone through. It is even worse to know that it wasn't a unique or particularly different experience. I suppose as someone who has been an adolescent, I was aware of how cruel young people can be to each other, but I never pondered the implication of locker room talk for young men and how damaging that can be. I don't have any real insights. I guess I just want to say thank you for speaking so candidly about your experiences and bringing attention to how insidious this is. I don't necessarily expect in the, the recent light shone on changing room conduct to lead to sweeping changes, but I hope it does. The things that have been shown in the media and the things you've both experienced are not okay and should not be accepted. Thank you for speaking up, Nikki. I think that's what, going back to what we are talking about before, I think it is changing a little bit. I feel I like... So. Like, I do, I do think, like... Even just the fact that we like have a show like this where we can actually, in the middle of all the fucking nonsense, <laughs> we can go from comf fucking fan fiction to talking about this and getting that sort of letter is... I thought about that a lot when it went on and why I had such a response to it. And I didn't want to dismiss it as just being like, oh, yeah, well, this is what happens. And like it is so easy to say, oh, well, that's what it was like for us. Mm. And by saying that then say so it's okay for those things to continue to happen it's not it should stop it doesn't make the game any better yeah like that would be the conundrum if like Damien Hardwick came out and he said like if they started losing when they stopped doing it and he's just said look to be honest the boys just can't yeah get up for a big game unless they can touch one of the other players on the cock afterwards well here's the thing about bullying right especially bullying amongst a group of guys who are mates it can be fun yeah it can be really fun yeah of course but it's more about understanding that everyone has agreed to take part yeah. in the bullying and i think that's where the miscommunication is happening and what a lot of ex-players are coming out and saying uh yeah i went along with it because i didn't want to be the guy who couldn't go along with it right. but that doesn't mean they're enjoying it no this is from Rory. It's Fifington fan fiction, but he's not he's not writing. It's just more of a concept. You know how Americans are always stealing everyone else's TV shows and remaking them, like The Office, Jane the Virgin, and The Good Doctor. Look, I don't know. There's have been stolen. I think I think they've been licensed. Right. <laughs> it's all legal. It's above board. 
There's no cultural appropriation going on here. I propose that we get them back. An Australian version of the first season of True Detective with Nat Fife assuming the Matthew McConaughey role and Ben Cunnington taking over from Woody Harrelson. They can set it in Cairns. There you go. (laughs) Get North Melbourne up there. Get Ben Cunnington shooting it there. And that's your Logie right there. Obviously, we can do the later seasons with other footy players or even other sports. Love the show, by the way. Well, thank you, Rory. We love you. Um, Okay, is that right casting, though? Because wasn't Matthew McConaughey, he was the nihilist in that and... And Woody Harrelson was the kind of harangued husband and father. Yeah. I think the Ben Cunnington casting's right for Woody Harrelson, but I don't... Nat Fife isn't a nihilist. I mean, Nat Fife... He could be. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Is this another one of those examples where you just don't know what the player's thinking? We think he's got the perfect life and everything's great for him? I think that, like, there's an element of his self-belief that could easily pivot into nihilism, right? Like, that character has incredible self-belief like Matthew McConaughey's character. He believes that he is right in his unique vision for the fucking world. And I could see Nat being that sort of character. This is from Riley. Subject, and it's a long subject line. Tyson Goldsack... Also, finally got around to a true detective reference <laughs> to go with our topical conversation <laughs> about fucking Trent Cotchin's <laughs> fucking hair. Uh, Tyson Goldsack... This is a subject... Tyson Goldsack starred in an award-winning black-and-white short film that screened at the Berlin Film Festival. That's the subject line. Yeah. I mean, that should be the whole email. We could talk on that alone, but here we go. I think I've stumbled onto something big here. (laughs) I love this. Like like his deep throat. (laughs) Uh, Never seen this reported, and I don't know where to turn. Okay. Who are we? Who are the guys who did the water... uh, the two journalists, Bernstein. Bernstein. Sattler and Wardle. <laughs> I, I googled Tyson Goldsack after he appeared in the media holding a sign as the Collingwood bus drove past in Adelaide. And lo and behold, on his Google profile, it reads, Movies, La Envie, or La Envie, La Envie, let's say La Envie. L apostrophe E-N-V-I-E, La Envie. And I thought this must be, uh, you know who, should, who, know, who knows how to pronounce this? The Frenchman, Mark Lacroix. Should we call him? Yeah, let's give him a call. Okay. Bonjour. <laughs> Hello, Mark. It's uh, Will Anderson here from Two Guys, One Cup. Ah, Will, you son of a bitch. How are you doing during uh, lockdown? I hope you have plenty of wine and cheeses to keep your company. Uh, where do I find you uh, during this lockdown? Ah, I am in a bunker 12 miles under the Eiffel Tower, the safest place to be in all of Europe. Uh, well, we just have a little pronunciation question. Uh huh. Yes. You don't mind. Uh, Do you mind if I light a cigarette? Mm. <laughs> I put it. I could have put it in the stem first. Yes. What is your question, you asshole? So uh, my question mark is Tyson Goldsack. Uh, if you could just get up his Wikipedia entry. Uh, Tyson Go. I typed Goldsack into the Google, and the pictures that have come up are, how shall we say, racy, provocative, <laughs> provocateur. <laughs> So, he appeared in a black and white film. Uh-huh, I have it here. Le Envy. <laughs> really? I think so. Let's just go with that. Now I have to go. I've got to take my bicycle to the repair shop. Oh, no. What's, and, wrong, what's wrong with your bicycle? I was riding along the scene the other day, and my baguette fell out of my basket and got jammed in the spokes, and I went ass over teeth. Oh, no. But I'm okay. <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. Beep.
Ah, Mark Lacroix, ladies and gentlemen. Good to hear from you. He sounds good. Good to have him on the show. I thought this must be some sort of mistake, and I clicked through to find a 2003 short film that had screened in Germany, directed by Leonard Yip. Mm-hmm. It's written. It's rated as 7.2 out of 10 on no IMDb. good in front of goals. <laughs> rated 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Okay, not bad. I thought perhaps the main actor, Tyson Goldsack, was accidentally listed and tagged as the AFL footballer. Mm-hmm. But I went on to find out that Le Envy was nominated for multiple awards, as well as screening at the 53rd Berlin Film Festival in 2003. I did some further digging and actually managed to stumble across the film, shot in black and white, Real art house style with an aspect ratio of 1.66.1. I couldn't believe my eyes. There he was, a teenage Tyson Goldsack starring in this film. Please tell me. As a diehard Collingwood fan, I had never heard of this and never had seen this reported. Anyway, basically I'm asking here, am I tripping or what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, hope you get a kick out of it. I've linked the movie below if interested. Riley. Uh, well, we'll have to watch it another time. But here's what I would say is, I mean black and white movie place for Collingwood you can already see the links there like I mean he had his early success in the black and white and then he obviously went on to have later success in the black and white as well um he's always struck me as a guy who like you know quite a good actor on the field do you think because we talked about I would not be able to pick Tyson Goldsack out of a lineup I I imagine he has like dark hair no mustache do you know what he looks like? Yeah, well, I would. I can't necessarily describe him, but I know when I see him. <laughs> I, th- yeah. I think when he, he started around the same He's time like as... like a shaggy from Scooby-Doo look. I think he started around the same time, was drafted around the same time as Steel Sidebottom. Mm. And I confused them because they both wow. have medals in one's their name. One's got a steel sidebottom. Like, <laughs> one's got a imagine gold sack. Imagine a person with a gold sack and a steel sidebottom. <laughs> and a Mason Cox. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real power package. And a Brad Dick. Together. Um... Uh, he's he's a very good guy, uh, Tyson Goldsack. He's kind of like one of those, yeah, everybody who knows Tyson Goldsack. What I said Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. I don't think that I'm actually, like, it's a little bit off, but it's kind of yeah. like, you know, in the zone. I mean, he looks like a generic footballer. Yeah. Like if you were to play like one of those PlayStation AFL games, that's what it looks like. Oh yeah, I guess it looks like, Someone, but no, couldn't pick him out of the lineup. Um, let's get to another cunt. This is good. It's appropriate. Bill and Ted's three has oh, nice. just uh, yep. uh, 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 hit hit the cinemas or the streaming of the cinemas. This is Nat and Ben's Excellent Adventure by Rob. Love it. Hey guys, I love how many genres have been covered by the cunt fan fiction. My own contribution is a buddy comedy, Nat and Ben's Excellent Adventure. Scene. Nat Fife and Ben Cunnington are sitting in the waiting room outside the AFL tribunal. Nat says what are you in here for ben i punched a bloke in the guts behind the play how about you they reckon i was deliberately trying to fail my concussion test because i couldn't name the prime minister it's so unfair i just genuinely can't remember his name go on mate even i know that one it's john howard (laughs) thanks man then muttering under his breath john howard john howarth john hanson john john hanson suddenly there's a flash of light and a man is standing in front of them dressed in a shiny suit the man says, I'm from the future, and I'm here to help you escape the tribunal. The entire future of humanity hinges on you play- you blokes playing this weekend. I've given him a half-American, half-Australian accent. I just realized that way through. I went to go to America, and then I was like, why is he American? Then I went to Australia. Well, because- He's Mason Cox, is basically what I'm doing. Well, yeah, but you were doing kind of Rufus, I was trying to do, Yeah, I was trying so to do George Carlin. There was a Carlin. little bit of like, you know, God, but George Carlin's more like... 
I don't think he was like that. Nah, that's right. Hey, I'm George Carlin. Wait a minute. Hey. Uh, I don't think that was what George Carlin said. Yeah, no, George thought. Carlin sounds like this, doesn't he? No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he does. And that's Here's seven uh, words you can't say on television. <laughs> uh, okay, the man appears. It says, I'm from the future, and I'm here to help you escape the tribunal. The entire future of humanity hinges on you blokes playing this weekend. Nat says, cool. What do you need us to do? Really? Just like that? You don't need some proof? Aren't you even a bit surprised the entire future of humanity rests on your shoulders? Nah, bro. I've always been kind of a big deal. (laughs) Ben Cunnington says, I'm going to need some proof. The breeze is perfect for an offshore trip tonight. And as soon as I'm out of here, I'm planning to catch myself a 10 foot Mako fin boy. (laughs) Besides that, good callback. Fin boy is like still words I don't understand. It's because we invented Fin boy. That's the joke. I understand that. Oh, right. I'm just saying that, like, it might as well be a fish name. Exactly. <laughs> uh, besides that, a shiny suit makes you look a little bit gay. Although I'm not overly homophobic, I'm still a bit uncomfortable with anything other than traditional gender roles. <laughs> It's okay. I came prepared. Take a look at this. The man in the shiny suit goes to show Ben Cunnington something on his iPhone. Wow, that's incredible. Hang on. I haven't shown you the picture yet. No, wow. Look how you can make pictures appear on that tiny TV. That's incredible. No, no, no. It's just an iPhone. We weren't allowed to bring back any technology in case it fell into the wrong hands. I've got a picture of tomorrow's newspaper somewhere around here. Ben shows no signs of having heard or understood the man. Well, the future looks awesome. The man rolls his eyes. Okay, well, in order to escape your charges, you need to go back in time and get historical figures to convince the match review panel that you shouldn't be suspended. And here we go. In the rest of the movie... (laughs) Guys, look, I love that you're riding in, but come on. Just like, don't... Just spread it over a few nights. First act, second act, third act. That's all we're asking for. These great pitches, great premises, but then like, and then the end. And then... Skip to the end. You all know how the movie goes. In the rest of the movie, the boys go back in time and find historical figures such as Joan of Arc and Socrates, um, who ben, well, Socrates, who Ben calls Socrates, and Nat Fife yeah. doesn't call anything because it quickly realizes that Aristotle and Plato were the Nat Fife and the Michael Walters of classical oh, philosophy, yeah, right. and everyone else's names can be safely forgotten. Yeah. Uh, good stuff, Rob. You still owe us the second and third act. Uh, this is from... Uh, this is from Anthony. It's a pocket profile. Great. Of who is it? Jeremy Cameron. Jeremy Cameron. Bit of. I don't know anything about there. whether Jeremy Cameron will be leaving the GWS. I don't know a lot about Jeremy Cameron either, but I'm feeling I'm going to go inside the mind of Jeremy Cameron. All right, you will if the internet connects. Here we go. GWSGiants.com.au. Okay. Name. Jeremy Cameron. Yes, correct. Off to a good start, Will. I gave you a, that's a softball. Won't be, that won't be as easy after that. Which senior player first took you under their wing? Now, he... Wasn't a lot of senior players. So he was a guy who was brought in. He yep. played a couple of seasons at GWS. A very prominent South Australian. Uh, Chad Corns. Correct. Two for two. Who had the most influence in your career? Um, and this is a very generalised answer. He's dead. No. Family, like family, a, 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 a kind of a generic group of people, the coaches at the GWS, other successful athletes. Oh, okay. I mean, Jeremy, you can be a bit more oh, specific. 
Who had the most influence on your career? Sport. (laughs) Sport had the most influence on your career? But which ones, Jeremy? That's the begs a follow-up question, right? one. Whoever the journalist, was this Mitch Cleary who did this? Because I want him fired. There should be a follow-up question to this. Who, name one name athlete one. you think Just influences you. Just narrow it down a little. <laughs> no, all of them equally. Do you have any pre-game rituals? Uh, dry answer. Not a joke, but a very dry joke. So it's, the point being, it's not a joke, but the dry delivery makes it a joke. Okay. Do you have um, any pre-game rituals? Driving to the game. Close. I have a sleep. I go to sleep the night before a game. Okay. <laughs> You're not impressed with Jeremy Cameron. I didn't go that far back. He sounds like a sullen teenager. I feel like he's been sat down go to, to do sleep. this. Yeah. Not before the game. Growing up, who is all your- of them? All of them are my favorite. <laughs> That's what I thought he was going to say. Growing up, who is your favorite player? Uh, a bomber. All of them. <laughs> all of the players who ever played before. Uh, who do you play for? Uh, the bombers. The bombers. Uh, James Hurd. Um, Close Same era Would have played In the same part Of the ground Oh um, In the same part Of the ground Well I guess he played Everywhere didn't he uh, A forward um, Oh come on he was Matthew the, Lloyd Yes I was going to say The prototypical Trent Cotchin Matthew Lloyd <laughs> Yeah that's it Lloydy Toughest individual Opponent And this is an answer You might hear from Ben Cunnington Oh that uh, Toughest Individual opponent. Um, nah, I don't know. No. A 30 kilo Spanish mackerel. Oh. Like, I, I got confused. That was a good clue. But I got confused. I was like, who would Ben Cunnington be afraid of? And then I couldn't think of anyone. <laughs> literally. God himself. I was like, I can't think of anyone that Ben Cunnington would be intimidated by. Well, that's by, an interesting, uh, maybe maybe G- Jeremy Cameron. Boat. Okay, so well, GW. That's right, North Melbourne need a fucking key forward. I was going to say, trade, yeah, out, trade, trade Ben Brown and get in Jeremy Cameron and dangle the Ben Cunnington fishing, yeah, trip. fishing trip. They could be the, I mean, next year could all be like, well, you can, Cameron and Cunnington, it's just Cunnington or Cameron fiction. <laughs> you can't do any cool, like, uh, fan fiction mashup with their well, names, can you? What if it is the situation where, like, he's doing the negotiation of the deals and, like, he's going, well, this is the figure I want. And then they push back a figure at him and it's a 10-foot Marco Finn boy. <laughs> Does your jumper number have any significance? Uh, yes. It's the number the best player in the team wins. Where's this is a fucking Michael Jordan, this, Shane Moore. This he is twenty three, right? No. This is an interesting answer that we must break down and okay. psychoanalyze. Does your jumper number have any significance? My old man loves fishing, and on one trip, this huge shark came up and tried to attack the boat, causing it to capsize. The shark then circled him. This has nothing to do with my number. What's going on there? Does he hate the person asking the questions? What is going on there, Will? One day my dad went out on the boat. And he <laughs> it is. It's like a fucking shitty that teenager. Has nothing to do with my number. Oh, you know what my favorite number is? Sixty-nine. Fuck you, dude. This is like when you see some celebrity on a talk show who just doesn't oh, fucking want to be there. Just let us talk about. My dad went fishing. Just fucking plug your Mate, film and get the fuck out of here. Just do the anecdote that you said to the producer before the show. <laughs> Funniest thing a fan has said to you over the fence. That's um, pretty funny. 
it's pretty right. funny. I like it. It's, okay. it's a comment on his body. Um, you, he's got a pretty good body though, doesn't he? Jeremy Cameron. Like, like a lot of men are very self-conscious about their legs. Oh, okay. Hey, chicken legs. Your legs look like rake handles. <laughs> Okay. Yep. So he sounds like he was trying with that one. Yeah. Well, that wasn't him. He didn't write that one. Yeah. <laughs> All he had to do was remember what somebody else said. That's a good point. Uh, teammate most likely to coach. Um, uh, Ponytail. Um, Harry Himmelberg. Phil Davis. Uh, yeah, Why Phil sense. Davis? Why Phil Davis? Because he elaborates. Oh, because uh, he's. Um, Got a ponytail. It's a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a bit of a stab at, at uh, Phil Davis. He likes to coach out on the field because he loves a meeting. Oh, okay. Teammate most likely to be club president or CEO. And this guy's come up before, I believe. Oh. No, he hasn't. We haven't done a GWS player. Uh, oh no, we did Harry Himmelberg named this guy CEO as well. Uh, oh, um, Callan Ward. Uh, no, uh, if I tell you his former club, that'll give it away. If I tell you his position, that'll give it away. So that might help you. He's played for another team in a very specialized position on the field. Um, every team has one. Shane Mumford. Some teams elect not to go with this particular role in the midfield. Um, he's a tagger. Yeah. Who's their tagger? Uh, oh, Matt DeBoer. Matt DeBoer. Why? I would have preferred if it was Shane Mumford. <laughs> Sausage, sausage. You know what? A lot of CEOs do cocaine. And he can do a heap the of cocaine. The biggest fucking lines of cocaine you've ever seen. Um, why Matt DeBoer? Because uh, he's Matt DeBoering. Because <laughs> he loves coin and is good with numbers, okay. which I believe was similar to yep. Harry Himmelberg's answer. Funniest teammate? Uh, Reese Shaw. <laughs> oh, sorry, Heath Shaw. This is a cracker of an answer. No. Dill Buckley, but he's been delisted for a second time. <laughs> Second drive by Dylan Buckley's got. He got a drive by at another one, Dylan Buckley. Yeah, poor Dylan Buckley. Who's ha- who has the best haircut in AFL history? Is Dylan Buckley really funny? I think we discussed this last time, but w- whether the answer was them making fun of Dylan Buckley or the fact that Dylan Buckley is, is so the punchline. Oh. Regardless of, like, no, I I like to think of it in the positive way that Dylan Buckley is so funny. That you're just like, I know he doesn't actually fucking play here anymore. Yeah, but, but I've got to give a shout out to my man D Bird. Does he play? Does he play for Carlton now, Dill Buckley? I hope so. I don't know. Um, who has the best haircut in AFL history? Oh, uh, I assume, player or historical oh, I player? think he plays for you guys now. Yeah, X Tiger. Um, uh, uh, Jake Lloyd. Uh, is it Jake Lloyd? No, I thought it was Daniel it? Lloyd. Daniel is that Daniel Lloyd? Uh, yeah. Lloyd? <laughs> We're so bad for a football podcast. Uh, yes, he says Daniel Lloyd because he hides his shocking head well. <laughs> okay. All right. Has he not potted anyone in any of his answers? I mean, there's been a lot of lip. It doesn't surprise me. He seems like nah, the kind this, of guy. This feels like his personality. Yeah. Unique person you follow on Twitter. Unique person you follow on Twitter or Instagram. I'm going to look it up because I don't know if this is a joke answer. Okay. Okay. Who do you think it is? Um, well, it's obviously not somebody. Uh, it, it's not somebody that you'd immediately think. So it's not like no, a famous a, sports person. I think person. it could even be a company. Um, oh, uh, so, uh, boating, camping, fishing. <laughs> no. He says Yeti Australia. Okay. But the, I can't find a Yeti Australia on Twitter. 
Oh, maybe it's on Instagram. Hang on, give me okay. one sec. Yeti Australia. Well, it wouldn't be actual sightings of Yetis in well, Australia. That's... They must be some sort of active wear or sports wear or like... Yeah, here we go. Um, I believe that's exactly what they are. Yeti Outdoor Sporting Goods Company. There you go. Well, it is like boating, camping, fishing. Yeah. <laughs> that's essentially what that is. It's the upmarket. That's not a particularly unique like Twitter or Instagram follow, isn't it? Is that what I don't believe the question is designed for you to just talk about a mainstream clothing brand, right? It's more like I follow the Dalai Lama. Oh, that's unique and interesting. Well, I guess like, you know, maybe we don't think of Jeremy Cameron as being an outdoorsman. These are very Ben Cunnington answers about what his passions are. I, I must admit I'm surprised that he's a fisherman and yeah. you know, he's so blokey. I didn't I thought he's more of a private schoolboy than this. At which store would you like to max out your credit card? Boating came fishing. Close. Otto's tackle world. <laughs> Although maybe that's like a football where you can buy tackles. Actual, like, learn how to tackle. Or it's this great masseuse who'll fucking loosen up your hamstrings and your groin afterwards if you want. What are three things left on your bucket list? Um, win an AFL premiership. Um, not one of his bucket list things, which must be interesting to the administrators of the um, GWS Giants who pay him a hefty salary. Well, um, two, okay. two of his bucket list things Travel? involve a, a clear established interest. Oh, okay. So he wants to catch a shark. Marlin. Marlin. Okay. And the second thing he wants to do, you sort of almost there. Is um, travel to... No, you, you said it just before. Uh, catch a shark swim with a shark, with a shark. <laughs> punch a shark in the head the one that harassed his dad <laughs> play golf with Greg Norman and then his final bucket list thing is an, again a very generic um, desire uh, most most players talk about wanting to travel overseas or yeah. travel to a destination think of a more much more generic version of that like oh. what's the most like non-specific but travel yeah <laughs> travel around Australia just want to travel <laughs> I mean, he flies all across well, right the country. Now, that's good. Yeah. Like he's a person whose dreams can still come true. He's just got to bloody catch a marlin and punch a shark. Do you have a dog? No. He does have a dog. What breed? Yeah. Is it like a? It's a fishing dog. It's like a country dog. No. It sounds like a fancy dog. Jermaine Shorthead Pointer. Okay. Uh, his name is. Um, Jeremy Junior. Billy, and he wants to go father-son to the Giants. Oh, Cute. Right. I like that. I'm a dog person. I like that. First concert you attended. Also implies that Jeremy Cameron fucked a dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, it for does. him to be a father-son, I think Jeremy's got to be at least half of the parenting <laughs> of that dog. This is just why I'm saying I once fucked my dog. <laughs> <laughs> His name's Billy, and I love him. <laughs> He's my son. Uh, first concert he attended. Um, dance, electronic act. Presets. Uh, new. I don't know if they're actually Australian. They, in the name of the band, a country is mentioned. Um, the uh, three barrel. The uh, organized crime is an element. <laughs> um. Uh, Swedish House Mafia. <laughs> oh, okay, no, I never would have got that. Uh, are they Australian? 
Are they the don't hold back? Uh, that's them, right? I would have assumed with the name Swedish House Mafia, they'd be from Sweden, but... Yeah, I, but I thought it's I an ironic... completely wrong. Yeah. I'm gonna look, look it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> he gets this answer completely wrong. What's something about Jeremy Cameron we wouldn't know, but we now definitely know after this pocket profile? I love fishing. More than football. Favorite holiday destination? They're Swedish. Swedish. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't a clever title. Okay. Uh, favorite holiday destination? Um, somewhere you can go fishing, Port Macquarie. Somewhere where the fish are biting. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Favorite movie? Um, where the rivers run. No, no. He gets off. He gets off the fishing trip for at least for one answer. Um, Anchorman. Um, in the same Old genre, probably um, earlier nineties. Uh, but like an SNL alum um, A Night at the Roxy <laughs> No, probably a really popular kind of sports comedy from the 90s um, uh, Well, not semi-pro um, Not in the 90s No, no I'm Who was the biggest, like, he's probably the biggest star to come out of SNL Besides like Eddie Adam Murphy Sand- Happy Gilmore There you go Favourite TV series um, and now we're back to the... <laughs> back oh, to the uh, Rex Hunt's Fishing Adventures. <laughs> Fishing with Mates. Al McGlashan. I don't know if that's a real show. I don't know anything. He's like the, he's like the Joker. I mean, what can you believe? I want to know how he got those scars. How did he get those rake legs? Favourite band or musician? And again, I don't know if this is a real person. <laughs> it sounds like it's a made-up name. Uh, first name um, had a, has the a same first name as one of your animals. Uh, Ramona. Um, Winona, um, Church. Um, oh, hang on, it's one of the current. No, not one of the current ones. Um, uh, Diego. No. Uh, Tippy. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't. It's, I mean, I think this animal's dead. <laughs> no, no, no. Not, I'm good. Have you still got more to go? Sadly, I'm going. Well, Goddy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's God's real name? What's the name of this act? Uh, well, Ziggy. Yeah. Don't you have a cat called Ziggy? Well, Ziggy's gods, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, that's name, yes. yeah. Ziggy, Ziggy Alberts. Oh yeah, now isn't Ziggy Alberts some sort of like? Oh, I've heard of Ziggy Alberts. Yeah, we're so old. We don't know what these young people listen to. Oh, this is my favorite question. Favorite carb. Ziggy Alberts sounds like someone who plays with the Swans yeah. that we don't know. <laughs> Forward pocket. Uh, favorite carb. This is all. This is the most challenging one. Favorite carb. Yeah. Because um, like sometimes it's favorite food and they just say carbs. So no, it's most. It's we read a, a different yeah. pocket profile last week, which was favorite food. Pas- so pasta. <clears throat> no. Oh, risotto. <laughs> no. Bread. No. Um, we haven't had this carb before, but it's a fairly obvious carb. It's a. It's one of the big three carbs. <laughs> um, well, bread, pasta, vegetable thing. Oh, potato. There you go. He loves a potato. First meal after the season has ended. Fucking um, potato. Potato <laughs> chips. Just a um, raw potato. Eat it Tony Abbott style, like an onion. Um, uh, Snits and chips. No, nah, no. Nah, like the most basic junk food there is. Chocolate. No, like um, actual food, like a meal. Oh, McDonald's. McDonald's. And lots of it. Who inspires you? Fuck off. Ronald F- McDonald. This is something that ScoMo might say. Oh, God. 
No, no, no. So wait, when Scott, when ScoMo's doing a press conference, when he's talking to his electorate, when he, uh, um, uh, people of Australia, yeah, but heroes. What does he like about supporters? You know, people what, who have a go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's not that hard to get to it, isn't it? That's how sad the state of Australian <laughs> politics is. Like, ugh. people haven't. People just having a go, mate. Just, just having a go. go. You Fuck, have mate. A go, you'll get a go. I'm a millionaire footballer, and exactly. I just love people having, a go. having a go. I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a fettered upon millionaire footballer, footballer, but I just love I people just having like a go. Good Aussie battlers. Yeah. Yeah, have a go. Prime Minister of Australia, but I'm just having a people have a go. I'm just a daggy dad. Watch me fucking head this soccer ball because I'm just a dad. Anyway, no, we don't need to get into it. What non-football? What non-football? It's just such bullshit. It is so pretentious, Will. It fucking drives me mental. They're all fucking private school people. They're all private school people. And it's just, I just battle them. I just can't stand it. Anyway, we won't talk about it. It's like you do what <laughs> We'll do a new, another podcast. Uh, what non-football accomplishment are you most proud of? Catching a fish. Close. Catching a shark. At has to do with fishing, but Fathering not. My, my, <laughs> my, my dog child. <laughs> my dog, my human my, dog child. <laughs> My abomination. Uh, sinking a boat and surviving is his uh, favourite non-football. That dog's got rake legs. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Cameron's dog. What's the best childhood memory you have? Gun fishing with dad. Fuck yes, of course it is. Just having a go. Just throw on a couple, you know, we'll go down to the creek, mate. We'll go down a, we'll go down a bloody bodgy creek. Yeah, just we'll just throw the lines go. in. It doesn't matter if we catch in. a fish or not. As long as we have a go. As long as we have a go, mate. As long as we have a go. That's what I You have right? a go, you get a go. Yeah. And we're going to go. We're going to go fish and bloody go fish. We'll play cards. We'll play go fish while we go fish. Because if you have a go, you get a go. Let's go. Let's watch the movie Go while we play go fish and go fish. And listen to the go-go's. <laughs> How are we going to get there, Dad? In the Go-Go Mobile. How do you spell that? C-O. C-G-O. Don't want to talk about it, Will. <laughs> it feels like you do. Last question. Yes. Who would you like to swap places with for a day? Famous athlete. Um, Probably the, the uh, for, a, for a while was the most famous athlete in the world until... Uh, a very public personal issue came to light. Um, uh, like, through the nineties and mid two thousands, he was like he was the Michael Jordan of his sport. Oh, okay. So, but of his sport, he wasn't Michael Jordan, no. obviously. And his sport was American football, mm. and basketball, an international uh, sport, and in played soccer, everywhere. Soccer player Diego Maradona, a very white collar sport. Um, baseball, you know, white collar, sport. international white collar sport played all year round. Australia's had several very Cricket. successful people at this sport. Uh, um, golf, a golfer, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, you would like to swap places with Tiger Woods, not for the golf. Don't you love that the opening question was what athlete inspires or what, what who inspires you? And he said, All the good athletes, Tiger Woods is right there, mate. Well, that's what no, but that's why I'm saying he doesn't want to swap places with Tiger Woods. For the fucking golf, because he admires. Oh, he wants leads. it for all the. Uh, he wants it for the. He all the, all right the dogs he can fuck. Six strippers. And, and one dog. One dog. 
Um, the round has started. Why don't we just give some yeah, tips for the sure. remaining games and then we'll call it a night. I think that Adelaide will beat Hawthorne. I'm, 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 nah. That's my lock of the week. Let's and just then, check in on the um, Eagles. I'm going to say the Eagles will beat Essendon. And they did by 15 points. Uh, 60 to 45. Okay, so I don't know when. Are we going to release this episode as per usual? Probably. All right, so, okay, they're still good because we got games. So um, when is this podcast going to come out Thursday? So we may, this game may have already happened, uh, but it's the Tigers taking on Frio. Tigers. Yes, I agree. Thursday, the Swans take on the Demons. Uh, ooh, uh, the Demons. <laughs> kind of game that the Demons would lose. Mm. In years gone by. Exactly. But I think they're probably better than that. I don't think Sydney are that great. Demons. Uh, the Giants, Jeremy Cameron's Giants, take on the Blues. This is the last ditch for both, you'd suggest. I think GWS. Yeah, they showed a bit. They had their run and gun. The What is it? The Orange Tsunami was back. And then the final game on Friday night uh, is should be a good one, I reckon. It's the Lions versus the Pies. Six versus third, or third versus six. Great game. Um, Lions. How close uh, the Magpies, the backs to the wall? Not Not not, close enough. Not close enough for me. Because they had a fairly inspiring victory over Carlton. People are starting to. A lot of love around Bucks. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, I reckon the Lions. Yeah, Lions. Or if they lose, it's because they don't kick straight. And Chris Fagan gets so frustrated that he's banging on the glass. The glass breaks. He falls, tumbles headfirst out. His pants get caught on a broken shot of glass. He rolls down the steps and hits the fence, does his hip, and just, he, oh, jeez, oh, jeez, oh, no. Oh, boom. You've almost talked me out of it. <laughs> uh, that's it. Uh, like we said, uh, you can check out other great shows at tofop.com. And if you feel like supporting us, you can go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash tofop. Uh, there's a lot of bonus content there, mainly to do with our other shows. But if you just feel like you want to support the show, because it does help a lot, we have people who work on this show who cut it for us and put it together, um, you can go to patreon.com. Uh, otherwise, that's it. Play on, not 15. Whoa. We are two guys, one